Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. We all enjoy a bit of TV drama from time to time, don't we? Well I'd also wager that we property investor types in particular have had the odd snigger or even the odd wow moment whilst watching the funding pitches on Dragon's Den or even Shark Tank. Well today We have a guest that has access to some real-life dragons, well, angels, actually. You see, a subgroup of Angels Den, which provides funding solutions to businesses, has emerged specifically to fund property investments and developments. It's called Property Angels Den. No doubt we can find property angels in various guises through other means, but for now, let's understand a little more about how property angel finance could add yet another dimension to our property financing repertoire as we get the lowdown from the subject matter expert guest we have on today, Ray McLennan, the man that can connect us to the angels. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter. Well, hi again, everybody. I'm uh, very pleased to have with me a very special guest today. It's, it's Ray McLennan. Hi, Ray. How are you? I am absolutely fine. Thank you, Richard. Thank you for the invite. No, no problem at all. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, as you probably know, we're on the, in the middle of a series on creative and alternative financing in property. We've, uh, we've had a couple of weeks where we've been talking about uh, some of the more traditional financing methods that people will be used to, like buy-to-let mortgages, bridging finance, commercial lending, that type of thing. But there's uh-huh. some, of, some of the alternative stuff is what I really want to get into. And indeed, not just what else is out there, but equally, what is the practical application uh, for property investors and developers? And uh, mm. you, you've been on my radar for quite some time. Um, because, um, in fact, why don't I just cue you up? Why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, and I know you've got an interest in, in angel finance, but just tell us a little bit about yourself yeah. to help set the scene, and then uh, we'll take it from there if that's okay. Sure, okay. Uh, well, first of all, um, I, I do have property of my own. I've got 30 properties um, that I've invested in. And uh, my background previously, I've always been self-employed my whole life. I've owned a variety of businesses, including restaurants and uh, a wine bar, and I imported wine and I imported beer. And, uh, and then I was a corporate lawyer for a while, um, which was the only time in my life I actually ever had a job with a title, and the only time my wife could actually tell people what I did. So, um, so that's kind of where I came from. Um, about five or six years, I was doing a, a talk in London to lawyers uh, about how to, to grow a business because um, I'm a great fan of Michael Gerber, the E-Myths and Four Ways to Grow Any Business, and I was applying that to legal firms with some success. And uh, in the audience was a chap called Bill Morrow who had recently founded a company called Angels Den. Um, and for those of you who've seen or watched Dragon's Den, Dragon's Den is the pantomime version of what we do for real. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have uh, a variety of angels, and uh, those angels invest in a variety of businesses covering you know, the whole spectre. Um, 
Bill always said to me that uh, they were not interested in investing in property because they had made money from property. They were interested in investing in uh, enterprise investment scheme deals and, and, and the like and startups and so on. Uh, so he didn't think there was ever any point in putting any property deals to people. But a couple of years ago, I had a property deal that I was doing and my joint venture partner was unable to come up with the finance because uh, he was in a chain in London and the house wasn't going to sell and he gave me a couple of weeks notice to say sorry you know you're going to have to raise this money on your own so it was substantial chunk mm -hmm. um, and I turned to Bill and said Bill you know I've got a couple of weeks to raise um, half a million quid can we put it out to the angels he said well they, they won't go for it but okay so we sent out a one pager um, and the bottom line was I think we had we had the money in the bank in under a week so there clearly was um, an appetite so then Bill said we should create property angels den and you're going to run it um, and that was a couple of years ago um, and that's what I've been doing ever since uh, it's great fun we've got lots of investors I think in angels den when you last looked it was nearly 18,000 uh, active investors, but they don't all go for property. At the moment, we have under a thousand who will do property only, but that number is growing on a daily basis. Um, so, for the last couple of years, I've been pulling together angel investors, property people, and matching them up. And that's really what I've been doing. It's kind of a dating dating agency type of concept, is it, for raising money for property? <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, but you know, it's it's great when you've been on both sides of the fence. You know, you've you've advanced money for property, and you've also had to ask for it. I think yeah. you have more of a, a working knowledge of how these things work. Yeah. Um, but the more important thing was we developed a system that uh, when you ask an angel investor, you know, or investor property, what what do you want to see in a in a deal? Um, we follow a thing called the Crest model, which is credibility, return, exit, security, and trust. So those are the things they're mainly looking for. And then we have 17 questions that they ask, and I'm afraid I don't have an acronym for that, but I'll come up with one, I'm sure. Um, so there's 17 questions that they will ask you, um, and, and the proposals that we put to them have to answer those 17 questions. And if they do, what we've discovered, I'm quite one for analyzing these things, but if, um, if you take, to, just to put some figures on it, if you make an application for funding generally, so if man in the street wants to make an application for funding, the stats are usually 1 in 20, so 1 in 20 will get funded. Using our process, we've narrowed that down in some cases to 1 in 5. Mm -hmm. So I didn't think that, that was, I thought that was quite good, but I wasn't particularly blown away with it until I spoke to some brokers and they said, oh, 1 in 20 is quite normal, we'd be happy with that. For every you know, 20 deals uh, we get, we, one of them will get funded. I thought that was outrageous, but apparently that's the industry normal. So there you are, what did I know? Um, but we managed to create a nice little system where if the person seeking the funding follows the system, then we reduce the odds of being rejected and increase the odds of getting funded. And that's really what it's all about, I suppose. Well, that's is playing the odds. Yeah, I'm sure that's uh, that is what it's all about. Is trying to is trying to get uh, a match, as you say, someone getting a return on their investment and somebody getting the funds they need for their particular project. Um, with yeah. with Ain with Dragon's Den, as you said, the pantomime uh, version. Um, and I know it's not exclusively, but it's often, um, in the majority of cases at least, it's often an equity type of investment. 
isn't it? They normally put money in and they get a yeah. share of the business yeah. and, you know, da, da, da. I know there's other types of deals and the shark tank is the American equivalent and you know, they come up with licensing alternatives and perhaps they'll do some sort of uh, working capital uh, lending facility as well. They've got a number of tools that they can play. But in terms of the property angels then, is it is it an equity or a debt play or is it a mixture or, you know what, how does it fit in effectively in terms of the, the property financing landscape for yeah. property investors? All right, okay. Well, I mean, so first things first is when someone comes to me looking for funding, um, I always try and, and sort of work out what would I do if it was my deal because angel investment and, and equity investment is not cheap. It's not mm -hmm. a cheap way of doing it. But quite often people will say, well, I can't get a loan or I can't borrow the money from the bank or there's usually some, you know, there's some reason why they've, they've landed with me. Um, and I always encourage them to take a look again because some banks are lending, some banks are not. Um, some banks are lending quite a lot, and other banks are not. And the, uh, and lending at the moment is relatively cheap. You know, we've had some people that have managed to get development loans at sort of five and four and five and six percent. Eight percent would be quite normal. But an, an angel investor is going to want more than that. And if you're doing an equity deal or a joint venture, then you know you 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 you're, you could possibly be exchanging you know, half the profit, which can work out to be a great return for the angel, but not necessarily for you. So I always want to encourage people to look at the alternatives because we are one of many options for funding. So that's sort of step one. Um, angel investors will will look to do, a, well, they'll, they'll, they'll want to balance their portfolio. And in that case, it might mean that they're happy to do a short-term loan. So if there's a property deal that requires money for six months, nine months, 12 months, up to about 18 months would be the definition of a short-term loan. Then there's, there's quite a few that will look at that um, and will do it, and we've done a lot of these. And then there are others who, who do want equity, um, and there are others who will do what's called a put-and-call option, where they'll buy in the company at one price, and you buy them back at another price. So that's a kind of hybrid. It's not really a, a loan, but it's not, also, it's not equity either. But for tax purposes, some angels want to do it that way. So. Mm -hmm. So there's a, a number of ways of, of getting getting the funding, um, and and it it really kind of well depends what the deal is, um, and it depends also if the angel has the cash or you know if if they're ready to move now and and so on. So there's a whole load of reasons why we would look at it. So it's never one or the other. I think it's whatever fits. But but in terms of answering a question. At the moment, it's probably about 50-50. Half the money we're doing is in is in short-term loans, and half is in equity. Something like that. That answers the question. Yeah, no, it actually does. And I think you know what I'm getting at really is um, in, in for the listeners, how could they potentially consider using angel finance um, as an option, and uh, you know, if to have a debt or equity play or some sort of hybrid um, helps people to I think to frame that. Um, but as you yeah. also rightly say, is having a mixture of different financing options available. And I, I, I dare say many people uh, listening to this won't really be aware that there's sort of angel finance av available specifically for property investors. Um, so uh, Yes, there is. I mean, <laughs> there is. We also do, well, the other version that I haven't even mentioned is uh, crowdfunding. Yeah. Um, now, in terms of crowdfunding, most people might be familiar with Kickstarter, Crowdcube, um, if you know, if you Google, then, then there's lots of them there. And um, one of the first to do that in this country was a company called Brewdog, uh, an Aberdeen-based brewer. 
um, who uh, they, they brew ale for punks and they like to be contrarian yeah. and they were turned down by their bank so they reached out to their customers and said you know we want to grow this business would you like to buy some shares in the company and they raised a phenomenal amount of money crowdfunding um, so Kickstarter Crowdcube and these these companies what they will do is they they can can offer equity or they can offer rewards or they can just ask people to fund the business for the for the hell of it um, and you can have people looking for funding who you know might want to raise half a million quid and who get half a million quid but it could be in you know a tenner from John down the pub or 50 quid from Auntie, Auntie Miriam and, and that sort of thing um, we do crowdfunding but the crowd we have are high net worth individuals and sophisticated investors and their minimum amount tends to be much much higher than that um, for example we had uh, a property deal in Cornwall that was a million pounds that was funded by 11 people so that's the, the extent of our crowd mm -hmm. so it's not going to be 30,000 people or 15,000 people which is you know administratively a nightmare to manage um, our crowd tends to be small uh, and there are property crowdfunding options out there there's quite a few of them where you can uh, put your property on and raise money or if you want to invest in property you can go there as well so that's another option that's, and one that we do as well. I didn't realize you you also did crowdfunding. Um, I, you might be surprised to know that I'm covering crowdfunding as part of this series. Uh, right. So, uh, in fact, tomorrow's episode that goes out is specifically about uh, a form of peer-to-peer -peer lending it, rather than crowdfunding per se. It's a bit like what you just described, just a small collection of private individuals rather yeah. than a large crowd. But um, yeah. I will be covering that. So I'm fascinated to know you even do that. And it goes yeah, no, absolutely. If you, if you need any names or contact numbers of people that are in this in that space, please let me know. I'm quite happy to to point you in the right direction. You can speak to to my equivalent in the crowdfunding platforms that do property. Sounds good. I might well do that. <laughs> but just in terms of uh, understanding how it works, then, so just let's go back to the core of, of angel finance. Now, obviously, people have probably got in their mind, you know, walking into the dragon's den, uh, and, and yeah. you know, the, the, the dragons with their piles of cash, you know, interrogating you while you just do a, uh, a pitch from memory, <laughs> you know, yeah. the TV show. Yeah. But what's the reality? What you know? What what? How does it work? Uh, from a general industry perspective, I mean, you can talk about how you work, but I think just from a general industry yeah. perspective, how would it work for someone? Okay, well, Angel's Den has been very successful um, by doing uh, what's called speed pitching. Mm -hmm. And speed pitching is where you get uh, however many angels you can into a room, 20, 30, 40, or 50 into a room. So that room might be in a lawyer's office in central London, for example, round tables or square tables. Um, we spread the, the angels around the five or six tables and then five or six companies would come in to pitch and they do a three-minute pitch and then three-minute Q&A. So, uh, but, but before they get to that point, we do pitch training, we go through it with them, um, you know, we say, here's what to say, be yourself, have a, have a checklist rather than a script, bring in product, you know, if, if you've got it. Um, so, entrepreneurs would come in and they'd sit down and go hi my name is I've got this idea here's how many customers I've got with your help and your money I can double the customers and we'll all make lots of money and it'll be great fun any questions so that, that's that's it in a nutshell and then the angels ask questions back and forward you know, how did you come up with this idea you know what's your who's your best customer what's your average spend um, you know etc etc great that's fine and then they have a bit of paper in front of them and they note down whether they're interested or not so 
the angel writes down uh, next to the company name, I'm interested. Um, I'm interested but won't invest, so I'm interested in helping, mentoring, or I have contacts. Uh, I won't invest but I know someone who will, or this is not for me, and then a remarks column. And then what we would do is at the end of it, we would gather in all those bits of paper and then go to the company and say, okay, you've got six notes of interest or ten notes of interest or whatever it happens to be. And then we match them up. We just allow the, the entrepreneur then to, to deal directly with the angel investor to strike the deal. So that's how Angels Den started. With Property Angels Den, we do something similar except it's a ten-minute pitch with a, with a PowerPoint presentation. So someone who's pitching to get funds for their property deal, they, they're generally looking for much more you know, maybe half a million quid for a commercial conversion or something, uh, or they want to buy, you know, four or five HMOs and need a million quid or something like that. And they will come in, we give them a template which shows, it's basically, an, it's a sort of presenting to property angels dummies guide. So you can drag and drop pictures in there, you can drag and drop maps in there, you can, and then it will say answer this question, where is it, who's the borrower, how much are you borrowing, what's the exit, what's the security, etc etc mm -hmm. um, again prior to people presenting that I go through it with them so we would share the screen we do a Skype call um, and they go through their PowerPoint presentation it's only 10 minutes and uh, I say that's great that works or there's too many words on the, on the on the page or or leave this out or you know you forgot to mention an important point and so on so so there's coaching and guidance yeah. um, nobody ever gets thrown in front of them you know and without pre being prepared and because I have invested and because I know what our angels will look for, I ask all the hard questions in private. Now, a note about Dragon's Den, quite a few of the companies that we either have rejected or have not accepted have ended up on Dragon's Den. And that's no surprise to me because sometimes the people will come to us and they don't know the numbers or they don't do their homework or it's clearly a, a product that you know we can't support and we'll say sorry you know and then they go and apply to Dragon's Den and the TV companies are on the lookout for you know for, for television for pantomime effect yeah. um, so when someone comes out with a clearly ridiculous you know concept that's that makes good telly you know people want to watch and throw things at the TV or they want to get an emotion which is either good or bad or oh my god how could they possibly come up with that you know so that's that's what they do but it doesn't happen in real life yeah. if you've got a deal um, we will expect you to follow the, the, the checklist that we give you um, and I always look at it is it something I would invest in if it is and I like it chances are good the angels will like it but if it's something that's clearly ridiculous, then it, you know we would we would try and steer someone on a different track. Yeah. So, um, so no, so no, it's it's not it's not in that respect. That's how it differs. So, yeah. So equity you... angels then they do a six uh, sorry a three minute pitch. Property angels then it's a ten minute pitch and then Q and A. Yeah. And, and I think and the five drinks afterwards. All right. No? Good. Social as well. So I think yeah. the fact the fact that you get you, you have the uh, you know period of time to pitch and you have the PowerPoint presentation to rely upon. Yeah. You don't have to remember like five years worth of trading history or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, know? Um, you know, in the real life, no one's interested in that. They're not even interested in the next three years of cash flow because everyone in business knows it's, you know, it's going to change, things are going to happen. They just want to know that you've got a fairly, you know, good idea of where you're going. They're really interested in, you know, the, when I mentioned the Crest model, the credibility, um, they're interested in the credibility of the project. Because in property, a lot of our investors are property people. 
yep. and they'll look at a commercial conversion and think to themselves, well, actually, there's quite a bit of profit in this. If he makes a complete mess of it, or or they go bust, or the builder goes bust, and like, I can step in and take this over, mm -hmm. you know, because I can touch it, feel it, walk around in it, um, you know. So the, the, the question is, you know, safe as houses is true, and in property. You know, it's, it's not a question of will you make money. The question is how much will you make if it's done right. Whereas if you're investing in a startup, it can be very much hit or miss. You know, well, yeah. why there's such good tax breaks. The VC's uh, hit rate is pretty poor, but when they win, they they sort of strike out pretty big. So, but property, exactly. as you say, there's a lot more assurance in there. There's an underlying underlying asset for a start. So, um, so there we go. Um, just talk, touching on that a little bit, because the difference between, say, venture capital, um, equity, and this sort of thing, but, and I know you, you straddle debt and equity, but um, uh -huh. realistically, would, you, would a property investor or developer expect to get 100% of their project costs funded this way, or is it more of like have a mezzanine approach, or mix and match, put some skin in the game yourself, get, yeah. to, get, yeah. get other factors? How, you know, how would that work? Is it, you know, would, you not, would you necessarily, or would an investor necessarily come to angel, Property Angels Den and get 100% funding, or is that not realistic? Uh, it, can, it has happened and can happen, and depending on the project and depending what it is, yeah, it can happen, absolutely. I'll give you, I mean, the last one, for example, was um, a deal, 850,000. Chap came and he said, I need 850,000, you know, completely to do this whole thing. And I said, well, how much have you got to put in? He said, nothing. Why have you not got anything to put in? Because it's all tied up in other projects and I'm waiting on them completing. There's nothing more I can do in project number one and two, but once they complete, I'll release the money from there. But at the moment, I've not got anything and I don't want to lose this deal. Um, so, and it was a commercial conversion. So, I would, in the first instance, go to a, a development finance provider. Now, for example, the funding circle. Everybody knows the funding circle is there, and the funding circle can provide development finance. So, if the deal's a million quid, the funding circle might turn around and say, well, we can provide 800,000 of the money that you need, as long as you can come up with the other 200,000. Mm -hmm. So now it's a different pitch to an angel investor. You're not going to an angel investor looking for a million quid. You're going for an, to an angel investor saying, the funding circle have looked at this, here is their term sheet, and they are prepared to put up 800,000. All I need to do is find 200,000. Mm -hmm. And that's a completely different approach. And then an angel investor can say, right, well, if the funding circle have crawled all over this and done their diligence on it, and then I'm quite happy to pledge 100 grand. And then you can find someone else who'll pledge a hundred thousand, and, and then you've got your you've got your money. So in that respect, the the developer gets a hundred percent. Now, what's in it for the developer? What's in it for the angel? Well, if there's a, if it's a million pounds, and then there's a I don't know the GDV is is two million quid, and there's you know for argument's sake half a million pound in profit, then they'll split that equally. So the developer will make two hundred fifty thousand, and the angel gets two hundred fifty thousand, and the development finance provider gets their interest and their fees and costs and all the rest of it and everyone's happy and the building has been developed and now the the developer has £250,000 to play with but he has a relationship with a couple of angel investors who want to do another deal. So. Yeah, that's what I was driving at, really. So the, it, it, it's yeah. if you any if you talk about 100% finance anywhere, it's going to be one hard to get and two very expensive. But so what you've got here is a mix and match approach. You've got you've got an element of debt and a top slice effect, effectively of um, of the equity stake, and that's where you probably exactly. come in. So it's more it's more raising the equity gap, I guess, is is yeah. probably the 
the, the right sort of exactly. uh, pitch. Okay. I mean, bear in mind, what, what you've got usually is a developer who comes to us and says, I have an option on a building. It's not on the market, so it's not being advertised. Um, I can buy it at you know, 10, 15, 20% below market value because the person wants to move quick. So the developer is bringing his skills, knowledge, experience, enthusiasm, etc., to the table. So he's not bringing nothing. He's bringing the deal. Yeah. He just needs the money, and yeah. there's lots of money, plenty money. Um, so you know, to to then say to an angel investor, well, actually, you're buying this below market value. Okay, we're buying it in an SPV, a special purpose vehicle, which a company set up specifically to buy it. Mm -hmm. You, Mr. Angel Investor, can own all the shares in it, but you have an agreement or a deal written set to one side with the developer that you'll split the profit. So um, if he messes up, you own everything. Mm -hmm. uh, the SPV will get the money from the development finance provider, and the developer will he'll put in his sweat equity to make it all happen while you just sit back and... And, and you know, watch watch the building develop. Mm -hmm. So that's a win-win. That's a JV, and and that can be, you know, can be funded 100%. Uh, and if the developer then, in this particular case, uh, halfway through the project, he will be able to buy back some of those shares from the original angel investor. So the angel investor is putting up 200,000, but after six months, the developer will be able to give the angel investor back 100 grand to reduce his exposure. Mm -hmm. You know, so so it it can work, you know, and and they do work, and there are deals out there that are being done like that. So, you know, it's I think it's I mean I I had a conversation yesterday. I'm not really sure if I should tell you this, but I thought <laughs> I'm going to anyway. Um, I, I was just about to name the bank, but let's just say a major bank, a major well-known high street bank, phoned me yesterday, and said. We understand you're doing some quite good stuff. Why aren't you sending anything our way? And I said, well, forgive me, Mr. Banker, but let's deal with the elephant in the room. You're not lending anybody any money. And he said, well, we are. And I said, no, you're not. And he said, well, we are. And I said, well, you're not. You think you are, but the perception and the word on the street is that banks are not lending. And what you'll do is a developer will approach you, you'll, say, you'll make all the right noises, and you'll say, send me everything, and then after three months, it goes to your risk department, and they say no, and then they're left high and dry. So, and he went, well, that's not how it works. I said, well, that's the word on the street. So if you want to change that, you're, then you're going to have to fundamentally you know, do something with your marketing department or something. So he said, well, can you come and speak to our, you know, all our, our property guys and tell them this? And I said, I'm happily, I'll happily come along, I said, as long as you'll meet my fee, which is £5,000 an hour. <laughs> and I, he he went off to consider it. Oh. So you know you never know. But you know that that that's so. I think a lot of developers are are coming and saying, oh, the, you know, I, I need a hundred percent. I went to the bank and they said no because it doesn't get past first base in that case. Yeah. You know. Um. The the the, the guy at the counter will just simply say, no, we don't do a hundred percent lending. Um, and, and in that circumstance, they don't. But they could have funded 80% of it. Yeah. See, uh, when I said that to the bank, you could fund 80% of this, and I'll get angel investors to fund 20%. And he went, well, well, why aren't we doing business then? And I said, well, let's talk about it. Pay me 5000 an hour, and I'll tell you how to do it. So, but, um, so that's, you, how that, that's how that was left. So, you know, that yeah, there is a perception out there. Um, it's not strictly true, but, I, I, I mean, I suppose I'll say it here that, it, when the taxi driver starts to give me 
advice or starts to tell me that he's getting back into buy to let or he's getting back into property, that's when I'll stop. And at the moment, taxi drivers are saying, oh, you can't make any money in property, nobody's lending. Fantastic. If that's the case and that's what the taxi drivers are thinking and telling everyone, as long as they keep saying that, there will be money to be made in property. So Ray, uh, you know, you made a good point in the, that little story the, uh, with the conversation with the bank, but the, one of the points I really wanted to pick up was timing. So um, yep. how, forgetting, you know, the saga with the, the high street bank, etc. but how long should a, an investor expect a project to take before it got cash in the bank from cradle to grave, you know, in, engaging with uh, property angels then, for example? Yeah, I mean, well, it depends on the, the property itself and it depends on who we speak to but we have made a phone call on you know uh, sort of receiving a, a, a deal um, and called up an angel investor who who has the cash and it's as quick as the, the lawyers will take to get it to get it to get it done um, and in some cases that can be pretty quick I mean I don't think I've seen it done in, in less than about two weeks but you're usually looking at about four to six weeks um, okay. You know, if you've, I mean, we have had um, short-term loans of fifty thousand, one hundred and fifty thousand, and so on, which we've spoken to someone on a Monday, spoken to an angel on a Tuesday, and they've had the money on the Wednesday, Thursday. Um, but that's that's unusual mm. and happen. Um, but uh, for the larger deals, the commercial conversion deals, you're looking at certainly a couple of months anyway to getting that done, and then however long the deal takes. Commercial conversion deals, some of them are taking six to nine months. There's one in Gloucester, which is a commercial conversion, which is due to take seven months, and they're bang on target, and they're rattling on with it, and everyone's happy. When you say um, seven months for the project, eight. sorry, Ray, when you say seven months for the, is that the actual build, uh, conversion project or the funding project? That's the actual, yeah, that's yeah. getting keys and then getting in and stripping out the building yeah, and then yeah. building it back up but, again. But you're, you're, you're somewhere between two weeks and two months, effectively. Um, to get the funding. Yeah, and I mean, there are some out there that are taking longer, but, you know, if we get all the information, we can get a decision in principle pretty quick. The time-consuming part of my job is people giving me the information. Yeah. So I'll just simply say, have you got a RICS valuation? Have you got plans? Have you got planning permission? Can we see the planning permission? Can we see this? Can we see the term sheet? Can we see, you know, uh, and it's it, gathering that information is time-consuming, and, and I can't really do anything till I've got it all. So, so that that's you know I mean the, the crowdfunding thing that we did only took a matter of hours, but it took a couple of months to get all the information onto the platform. Yeah. And so then once it was on the platform, it can be funded pretty quick. Yeah. So that that's kind of leads me on to another question I, I kind of had really is how could uh, an investor or developer get themselves ready because you need to be uh, ready to be funded. Um, so it's going to be different to, let's say, a buy-to-let mortgage, um, where you know you need your pay slips and you need your bank statements and you need, you know, to detail the property. So generally speaking, what would um, an investor need to do in advance before they can actually successfully pitch? Generally speaking. Okay. Well, well, there's there's a couple of things here. Um, one is if if they have a property, so if they've identified a property and they want to pitch, then that's that's different. If they don't have a property, but they want to pitch for funding, then that's what's called a hunting license. And we're working with a number of providers and lenders and family offices to try and secure a hunting license for people. 
Now, how a hunting license works is you're a developer, let's say, and you've developed projects, I don't know, anything between one and five million quid. So at any one moment in time, you might have a project on the go. You don't have another project in mind, but you'd quite like to get the finance organized for it in advance. And that's what's called a hunting license. Mm -hmm. So you would come to us and we take a look at what you've done, the kind of projects you're quite good at, what previous previous projects that you've landed and the pro profits they've been and so on, and then look at the assets that you have, whether they're encumbered or unencumbered. And then we can get a lender who, who would say, right, we can give you a hunting license for up to, I don't know, whatever, one and a half million quid. So now go find something, and when you find a property, come back to us and you can draw down the money within 24 to 48 hours. So that's a very powerful tool for a developer to secure the next deal because he can go in to a, a, to a vendor and say, here's my proof of funds. Yeah, exactly. I've got up to a million and a half. Mm -hmm. and, and, the, and the one that, we were, we were, that I'm thinking about right now, um, he went back and haggled the deal because our fees had to come out of that. Mm -hmm. So we would charge a 2% fee and that 2% fee in this case was going to be you know, the guts of nearly 50,000 pounds. And he went back and, and negotiated a £50,000 discount on the purchase price to cover the fees. Mm -hmm. So, so that, that was a win for everyone. So, so that's the hunting license aspect. And that's something we're still working on and is not completely ready yet. But we've got one or two that, that have been eligible for it. But I'd like to extend that further. Mm -hmm. um, the next one is if they, they get a deal and they come to us, we have a checklist, simple as that. We'll just say, here is the checklist, here's the items that we need you to produce, go away and produce them, and then we can put this in front of the angels. And it's nothing onerous, you know. Um, you know, it is what it is, and as long as we've got the information, um, you know, we know what, what our guys will ask for. We've got a 17-point checklist, um, and we just need to answer the questions. Yeah, so, so that? that sounds good. Um, so I guess some of them have come out already, but what would you say are some of the benefits of uh, property angel finance? The benefits um, of property angel finance, well, it can be quick. Um, it's, it's equity. You can establish long-term relationships with investors. Uh, those investors have all got friends who've got money. They're all looking to invest. Um, so when you meet one, you can tend to meet the others, uh, and yeah, I mean it's, it, and you can achieve your objectives. You can get things done. You can get angel investors who have uh, contacts, skills, and experience. So they're not all just investors. Sometimes they'll come along and say, well, actually, you know, I, um, I, I know a great deal about this location. I know a great deal about this building. I know a great deal about you know, whatever it is they want to turn it into. Sometimes um, we've had people looking, wanting to build flats, and we've had a develop, uh, uh, an angel investor say, do you know what would actually work here really well is a hotel. Build that as a hotel. I have someone that will buy this from you if you build, you know, 100-bedroom hotel instead of flats. Or, or we'll uh, rent it at a, you know, phenomenally good rent. Um, and they just bring a different perspective. So we did have a developer that was taking a look at something, and when he was given the option of the hotel and looked at the figures, he actually wanted to retain it. He wanted that to be, you know, his pension, if you like, mm -hmm. uh, rather than, uh, you know, rather than just just buy it and sell it. Yeah. You know, he wanted to keep it, and this was an option he didn't realize existed until he'd spoken to an angel. So, so that, you know, that that's the benefits, I I dare say. Okay. Um, yeah. 
And yeah. do, do you think there are particular types of property project that would lend themselves particularly to this type of solution? Um, well, we've, we've done all sorts of things. I mean, we've had quarries, trout farms, um, what else have we had? Hotels, pubs, pubs being converted into HMOs, um, offices being converted into, uh, you know, flats or serviced accommodation, um, you know, all sorts of things. You know, if it's if it's property in this in the sense of heritable property, as in you can touch it, then you know everything is kind of up for grabs, as it were. And it, you know, the, it the old thing about property is sorry, sorry to cut across uh, you, right? Sorry, I was just going to say the old thing about property is you make money buying it, you don't necessarily make the money selling it. So if it's property and it's a you know reasonable price and you can do something with it, you can add value to it or something, then it's it's win all round. Um, in terms of what's doing well at the moment, I would say what's doing really well at the moment is commercial conversions yeah. in uh, in England and Wales. Commercial conversions are doing really well um, because you know you don't require the permitted development. Um, yeah. is it? You don't do, yes, permitted development. You don't require planning permission. They don't have it in Scotland, and that's stymieing things. Yeah. Um, Scotland's also being affected by uh, Nicola Sturgeon. And uh, her her request to uh, you know to make Scotland independent that's putting people off putting some people off English investors for example, um, but then some of them are actually seeing an opportunity and going well actually you know there's a lot of opportunity there's less buyers around I'm coming to Scotland, mm -hmm. um, and and the Brexit thing was you know that was all a storm in a teacup, mm -hmm. uh, it kind of lasted for for. You know, a couple of months. In fact, a lot of our investors said the day after Brexit, you know what, I'm going on holiday, I'll see you in September. And and July and August were terrible for trying to get deals done because everyone just decided to go away and let the let the, the storm calm, as it were. Um, and But things are picking up now. I think commercial conversions are doing well. You know, there, there is no doubt there's a big shortage of property across the whole of the UK. I mean, I can't remember what it was. 315,000 households are required. Yeah. And the definition of a household is a person looking for a house. So it doesn't necessarily mean a husband and wife and kids. It could be a single person. Um, there's a £350,000 shortfall. And what did they build last year? 151000 So, um, you know, with supply and demand being what it is, Economics 101 means that there ain't going to be no property price collapse anytime soon. We've never seen it in Scotland. We've certainly never seen it in Edinburgh, which is where I live. It does happen in other parts of the country. But if you get a boom, you'll get a bust and so on. But it tends to be very slow and steady up here. Mm -hmm. um, I did speak to one investor who said to me, so prices in Ireland collapsed by 60%. And I said, well, that's because they were already overinflated by 100%. So what do you expect? <laughs> um, prices in Ireland now are actually quite good. Northern Ireland is a good place to invest right now. Southern Ireland is a good place to invest right now. So, Ray, I'm just conscious of the, of the time, and um, you know, it's it's fascinating to hear some of these anecdotes and stories and, and everything. But I'm um, just concentrating the, that we're trying to get it in a, in a certain time. So, if I can move on to um, one of the questions I like to ask. Obviously, we talked about benefits, but what were these potential downsides? And you might say there aren't any, but I'm sure there probably are. And you know, I'm, I'm obviously counselling you as a as an industry expert, subject matter expert. So. Yeah. What what are the potential things that someone you know uh, not so experienced in this field uh, raising this kind of money that is should look out for? Uh, timing is the big one. Saying that it'll you know you think something's going to take a year, it probably won't. It'll take eighteen months. If you think it'll take eighteen months, it'll probably take two years. You're talking about the actual um, project rather than the fundraising. I'm talking about the, 
well, you can raise the funds based on the back that it's going to be one year. If you don't pay that money back after a year, you're, you're then into penalty interest, yeah. and that will just eat away at your profit. So that's a potential downside. Um, in terms of, of downsides to getting the funding, um, having unrealistic figures, you know, just not knowing what you're doing, but you wouldn't get in front of the angel investors if that's the case, because we look at everything. You know, if someone comes to me and says, um, I can convert this building for 50, for 50 quid a square foot, you know, you can <laughs> say, well, no, you can't. No, you, there's no way you will. It's going to cost you double that at least. Um, and I have had people go, no, 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 it's definitely, I'm only going to get done 50 quid. And I'm like, no, you're not. Um, and so you have to go away and redo the figures. And then when they go away and redo the figures, it doesn't stack up. Mm -hmm. So people adjusting their, their spreadsheets to make it work rather than putting in what's real is is something that we catch so it doesn't get to the investors. When something gets in front of the investors, it stacks up. Um, what can let people down is yeah, I, they say the wrong thing or body language or something, something. It's only happened twice that I can recall in the last six years where someone's let themselves down badly by saying the wrong thing. Um, we do have, after they've attended and met business angels, they get a chance to have a drink afterwards, a glass of wine and, and nibblies and um, we always say to people, don't re-pitch, ask the angels how they became an angel, uh, and then if the angel wants to ask you about the project, they will. And we've had a couple of people had too many drinks, and then an angel comes over and says, actually, do you know what, I'm out. I was in, but um, I put, you know, mark me down, I'm not interested anymore. Uh, and then we've had the opposite. We've had people who've met over a drink and said, you know what, I wasn't going to put money into that project, but I really like that guy, put me down. <laughs> so it happened, can happen both ways. Uh, alcohol, eh? Just that's one of the potential downsides. <laughs> good red wine, yeah. yeah. The lawyer for the offer we go to provide quite good red wine and nibblies. So. But apart from uh, maybe penalty interest, so on the commercial side, penalty interest could kick in. I guess that's obviously the short-term loan type of arrangement. Yep. Um, yep. I guess you, you talked about SPVs, potentially the angel owning the, uh, the shares in the SPV. So you, there's an element of loss of control, I guess, by definition. Uh, legal control. Uh, there is, but I mean that can that can be managed by by agreement. You know, you can have heads of terms, you can have a deed of trust, you can manage that by agreement. So, um, again, going back to Dragon's Den, you see you see people. Peter Jones will say, "Well, I'll invest hundred grand in your company, but I want fifty percent of the shares." Um, we've had people who've said, "I'll invest in your company, but I want hundred percent of the shares." Mm -hmm. But here's what I'll do: if you reach the milestones you say you will reach, I will return those shares to you so that we'll end up with 60-40 or 50-50 or 70-30 or whatever it happens to be. So the control element can be, you know, if, if someone's putting a lot of money into something and it, it can't happen without the money, they do want an element of control. No, no, I, I actually understand it. I was just kind of highlighting it really that you yeah. know, someone putting money in is going to want something back. And um, one of the things they probably want back is some kind of security. And the other thing they want, yep. they want back is some sort of control or some sort of walkthrough arrangement uh, in case things go wrong. Absolutely. You know, yeah, no, absolutely. They, they will quite often, I mean, what an angel investor will do in a commercial conversion, for example, is they'll, they'll put their man on the ground. They will put their quantity surveyor in. So they might have pledged a million quid, but you're, they're not going to write a check for a million pounds on day one. They will make a million pounds available, and on day one, what will happen is the quantity surveyor will come along, and you can draw down a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand, whatever it is. And then, on you know, on the on the at the end of the first month, you can draw down a further hundred thousand, and at the end of the next month, you'll draw down more. So it happens in stages. Mm -hmm. So there's an element that that's that's how it's controlled, if you like. Okay, good. 
So thanks for that. Um, I guess sort of drawing to some conclusions or drawing to a bit of a close, um, we were talking obviously before we came on air, but um, I, I normally ask the question, is there anything you know, special or unique that maybe you have available for the listeners of the Property Voice that you could potentially share? Um, well, I have, a, I have a frequently asked questions, which is um, it's the most common frequently asked questions relating to raising angel finance. So I have an e-book on that, which I'm quite happy to, to let you have. Um, and that calls on things like, you know, how do you pitch? How do I find a business angel? How do I successfully follow up interest? What other sources of finance are there? So those are sort of commonly asked questions. Um, but we've got 20 frequently asked questions, but these are the five most common ones and certainly the ones that everyone seems to be reasonably happy with to, to receive. So yes, absolutely, you can have that. Um, if, if that's of any use, I'm sure it is. available I've, to you. I'm sure it is. I've seen it myself. Uh, you kindly sent it over. Um, what I suggest is, uh, if we're going to ask you how people can connect with you in a, in a second, but if people want to reach yeah. out to you and just uh, ask for the uh, the FAQ ebook and uh, reference the property voice, I think that's important. Um, if they reference mm -hmm. the property voice when they do so, obviously it allows us to uh, to track if effectively that where this this invitations come from. But um, people can do that. Yeah. And I've seen the book; it's quite a few pages, and it's very helpful. So um, I think the other thing to to maybe ask is how do people get in touch with you then, Ray? What's the best way to reach you? Okay. Yeah. Well, um, I have a website called Raising Angel Finance, RaisingAngelFinance.co.uk, um, or or through Angels Den, um, AngelsDen.com is the website and if you go to about us you'll see me there and all my contact details are in there or if you just contact anyone in Angels Den they'll, or, or submit it, any email or any question to Angels Den relating to property it'll come through it'll come to me um, or Raising Angel Finance is just a separate site where I'm, I have control over that and I can put things in there that are helpful useful and so on uh, the Angels Den website is very geared towards what you see on Dragon's Den, which is startups and so on. Yeah. We are working towards creating a separate site, which is called Property Angels Den, um, but uh, that's that's in the pipeline. It's not there at this moment in time. So, angelsden.com. Um, equally, I should point out that um, I, I, as well as people looking for funding, I often get a lot of people. Um, I, I mean, I go and speak at events and I do things like this and. People say, well, actually, I'm not looking for money. I've got money. I want to invest money. Um, I like what I'm hearing, and I want to invest it through you. So we have a mechanism for that as well. There is a website called becomeanangel.com, or people can simply email me and, and tell me what, what it is that they're looking for, whether you have money in, a, in a, a pension or cash available or whatever it happens to be. We can certainly help, and you know, there's good returns to be had there. So it's it's both sides of the coin. Okay, and, and just would you mind just reading out your email address to people who can just jot it down as they're listening? And obviously, I'll put it into the show notes as well for people who want to visit that. Sure, it's Raymond at angelsden.com. Raymond, Raymond at angelsden.com. Yeah. Dot com. Yeah. Okay. That'd be the best one. Fabulous, absolutely great. Um, you know, I, it's been fascinating talking to you, and um, <clears throat> I know you know you, you shared a couple of like case examples, and that's what I'm really driving at—the practical application. Um, so, I really yeah. appreciate, I really appreciate your time, and, and probably what for a lot of people is a new area, uh, a new funding source. So, it, it opens people's eyes, I think, and I'm sure you're probably going to get a lot of people reach out to you for that FAQ book and and more. So I just want to say thanks, Ray. It's really been really good talking to you. Um, it's valuable insights. And um, we've run out of time, unfortunately, but uh, I just want to draw a line there and say thank you. All right, Richard, you were very welcome. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. Take care. Bye-bye.
But once again, we've uh, located another relatively new and indeed untapped source of funding, open to property investors and developers in the form of angel finance. I know a couple of people that have successfully funded projects using Property Angels Den and have lived to tell the tale. So it isn't quite as scary as the TV program pantomime versions make it out to be. I particularly like the idea of the pre-screen that Ray mentioned, which of course helps to improve the chances of success. And also doing away with that stupid idea or the ridiculous idea of a pitch without notes or a presentation. You know, because raising finance is not a memory test. <laughs> anyway, Ray did mention that uh, property angels can use a, a mixture of debt and equity solutions. And of course, there's also the additional route of crowdfunding, again, available from, uh, from a flight of angels too. So if nothing else, you will have learned what a collection of angels in one place is called for the next time you watch Eggheads. Right now, though, that's, uh, that's me for another week, and another piece of the property financing puzzle is in place. By all means, do email me personally if you want to talk about anything from today's show, or more generally in property investing, to podcast at thepropertyvoice.net. The show notes, as ever, will be over at the website, thepropertyvoice.net. But now, though, all that remains to say is thank you very much for listening once again this week, and until next time on the Property Voice podcast, it's ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.